You might turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bible, to Romans chapter 9, I mean uh, Romans chapter 8. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you living life or are you living death? You say, uh, Pastor, check your notes again. That really doesn't make sense. If you're living, you're living life, right? I mean, are you living life or are you living death? There are four kinds of death. One is physical death. Your body will die. It's a pretty sure thing. Unless the consummation of all things happens while you're still alive. And I, this is my personal opinion. You can have yours. But the way I look at it, there's a lot of work that needs, still needs to be done on the planet. So, your life is going to come physically to an end. It's just part of it. It's just, it's just what, it's what is. There's spiritual death. Ah, this is far worse than physical. Because in physical death, your soul actually stays alive. If you're a believer, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I was with our friend, an elder at our church, Bob Bean, a few weeks ago when he passed. I I wasn't there when he actually passed, but I showed up right afterwards. And his body was still with us, but his soul was not with us. It was gone. It had gone into the presence of God. Spiritual death is when... That it's when your spirit is dark and has not had the presence of Christ. And when you die, you will not only die physically, but you will die spiritually. Your soul will live, but you will experience what the Bible calls the sting of death. And that is a spiritual death. And so... Uh, at that memorial service, I started it out by reading that scripture. Old death, where is your sting? Old death, where is your victory? Because he knew Christ, Bob did not experience the sting of death. You know, I got news for you. You might see my body without my life in it, but I'm not going to die. See, we're not going to die. got to... That's got to lock in to your understanding so that you can live the way you're supposed to live. And so um, there's spiritual death. Then there are two other kinds of death that happen on this side before the physical death. There are two other kinds. One is of the flesh, and the other one is to the flesh. And so we're going to look at that today in Romans chapter 8. This is like, you know, an intense study. Romans chapter 8 is one of the most wonderful chapters in all the Scripture, but man, it gets pretty detailed and 
seemingly deep, and the way Paul writes, it's hard for us to always connect the dots. Today, I'm going to connect a couple of dots with you. I'm going to give you some some crazy pictures to take home with you in your mind that are going to help you connect the dots and see what it is he's trying to say. Now, let me read it to you. Here we go. Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, listen, that one thing, let's just stop and go home. I mean, that one uh, part of a verse is enough to shout about. There's no condemnation in Christ. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, he's talking about walking on this side. Not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let's read on. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So there is a law that's in the Old Testament that is like, you know, the 12, the 12. It's been a long time. The Ten Commandments and the rest of the law that was written. There's that law of the Old Covenant. We call it the Old Testament. But then there is a new covenant, a new testament, and Paul says you can also call that a law. It is a law of the Spirit. There is a way of living that works. There's a way of living that if you live that way, it will work. The law of the Spirit. And he says, he says for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. When I live by the law of the spirit of life, I don't even have to go there with the law of sin and death. All right, here we go. For what the law, and he's talking about the Old Testament law, for what the law could not do, uh, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Have you noticed your flesh is weak? God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus came to the flesh, lived in the flesh, and he lived a righteous life and therefore condemned sin in the flesh by being righteous and living a perfect life. And then he says, then it says, For those who live, no, that the righteous, verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So he's saying that, that something has to be fulfilled. You know, we find ourselves trying to please God. We, we find ourselves trying to like, you know, earn God's love and favor. We may even have our theology straight, but we don't live that way. We, we actually believe that we're saved by grace, that it's not our righteousness, it's the righteousness of Christ. We can say it, but how do we actually live? Do we actually live in a way where we understand that we don't have to prove to God in order for Him to love us? Do you understand that? That that's what grace is. Listen, I've got news for you. There's nothing you can do that will make you good enough to go to heaven. Did you know that? Nothing. Tell me. Think how ridiculous that is. 
God is a holy, righteous God. I want you to think how ridiculous it is to think that I could somehow be as holy as God and that, that by being the, as good as God is, that that will get me to heaven. Are you kidding me? That was the whole problem. That was the problem. It's why Jesus came, because we couldn't do it. And so Jesus came and fulfilled the old law and condemned the role that sin had on the flesh. He condemned it by living a righteous life. Then he went, he, then he died the death. He not only died a physical death, he died. Listen now, I know this is hard to understand, but you need to understand that he did something for you in your place. He died your spiritual death. He actually took the sin of the whole world on him as if he had, as if he had actually acted out on all those sins. And he didn't. He was righteous. He was perfect. But it was as if he were the sinner of all sinners because he took his, all of our sin on him. And he died and took on the sting of death. But see, death had a problem. Hell and darkness had a problem. He descended into hell. He did that so that you wouldn't have to. And when he got there, the problem was he was a perfect person. Perfection and hell don't get along too well. Have you noticed that? Perfection, light and darkness cannot exist together. He went into that place, the righteous man that he was. He died your death and took on the sting so that you wouldn't have to. And then he exploded the whole thing and pulled down death and hell, took the keys of hell and death, the Bible says. And then he ascended into the throne room of God and sat at the right hand of God and brought you with him, by the way. He did what you should do because you deserve the sting of death. And he knew there was nothing you could do. So he That's what that means. It requires my believing. That's, that's what it requires. It requires that I believe, which means that I will follow. If I believe it, I'll take action, right? So if, if I believe, if I believe and embrace and say, yes, I will not experience. Oh, death, where is your sting? You'll never see it. You'll never feel it. You'll never experience it. Not because you're perfect, not because you're good, not because you've done all these good things. No. Not because other people say good things about you at your funeral. No, that's not what gets you into heaven. What gets you into God's presence here and there is simply believing, embracing, receiving who he is. And so it says... Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh, 
set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now, what he's saying is, if you are a person of the flesh, then the way your life works is you set your mind on the things of the flesh. And you will live, but you will live in death. Death will creep in. Death, there's darkness inside, first of all. And then that death is kind of the, that's the description of your life. And death will take over. If you are a believer in Christ, you've actually been made new with a new heart. You've been given a new life. You're a new creation in Christ, the Bible says. And so now you don't live that way anymore. Now you live the way you work, the way your life works is to live by the Spirit because now you have the Spirit in you. You have, the, you have Jesus by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in your spirit. Now you have the option. Now you're going, you're, here's the way your life works. You set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Now, now let me read that again after having said that. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit are the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That death is the, that is the death of the flesh. The death of the flesh is that if you live by the flesh, it will bring death. Have you ever done something wrong and then you feel what? Icky. Icky. That's death. That's death. When, when you're so negative that you're just putting yourself down all the time, do you know what that ickiness is? That's death. What did you do that for? You should have gone somewhere else to find out who you are. You should have been thinking other thoughts to determine who you are because the thoughts you chose brought death on you. You see what I mean? It's you, you choose. It's, it's you. I'm going to show you this in a second. Let me keep. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You want life? Are you going to live in death? Or are you going to live in life? You see, there's the death of the flesh, but we're going to read here about the death to the flesh. Let's keep reading. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You know, he's, he's not condemning you here. He started the chapter out by saying there's no condemnation in Christ. Then he comes back and he says, by the way, if you're living according to the flesh, that like is impossible to please God living according to the flesh. You can't please God. He can't be pleased. You can't please him that way. It's impossible. It won't happen. Then he says, but you are not in the flesh. But in the Spirit, he's talking to the Roman church. And then that letter was sent around to the others, so all the churches. He says, you are not in the, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And you think, oh, well, what that means is that if I'm really in the Spirit, you know, like I come and I worship on the Sunday morning and I walk out the door, have you noticed that you feel better after church than before? Have you ever noticed that? Or your quiet time, a personal time with God, or fellowshipping with a Christian and sharing Scripture and, and uh, you know, really positive thoughts with one another, and you, you do that and you just feel better. Have you noticed that? That's called life. Life, not death. 
Life is being given, and you're receiving it. You're living in life because you're thinking on the spirit instead of the flesh. And so he, he says here, though, he says, now, um, he says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Well, Craig, sometimes I feel like the spirit of God is dwelling in me, and other times I feel like he's not. So I'm still in this place. Here's why we read these chapters and we get all confused. It's like, now wait just a minute. I've been a Christian a long time, and I know I'm a Christian. I even have the confidence that I'm going to heaven, but I'm still battling this flesh thing. Why is that? Why is it that the whole flesh battle is still up? Because he says here, I am not in the flesh. I am in the spirit. That's what he says. Is he saying all the time? And then let me keep reading. He said, now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Oh, my goodness. Are you saying that when I'm, if I really, you know, if I really, if I really press in and the spirit of God is strong in me, that I am his. But if, if I'm walking and, try, and trying to do something in the flesh, that I'm not, he's not mine. See, that's not what he's saying. I'm going I'm to show you what he's saying here so that you get it. What he's saying is, he's saying, you are what you are now. Stop trying to live like you used to live because that was a different person. I grew up with, out a bicycle. My daddy worked at Western Auto. That'll age you. Who knows Western Auto? You are old. Whoever raised your hand. All right. And then, if Western Auto, and I, he bought me a bike, I don't know, probably for Christmas one year, and I had a Western Flyer. Are you kidding me? A Western Flyer. All right? Yes, sir. Now, that was cool. Listen, that bike right there impressed the ladies, let me tell you. <laughs> yes, sir. My friend and I, we rode, well, Mama doesn't know this. Mother, close your ears. One Saturday, we rode 30 miles from one girl's house to another on a Saturday. See, you, you didn't know that about your pastor, did you? So, so we just thought, man, we're going to ride out there and surprise them and, you know, and say hello. And, you know, they're going to think we're really cool because we came to their house. All right. And so we did that. First time I've told that, I feel so much better. And so, and then, uh, but one day I got my driver's license and I learned that in order to drive a car, I couldn't drive it the same way that I rode a bicycle. I know this is ridiculous. In fact, one day, man, you're not going to believe this about your pastor either. One day, I really bought a car. A Dodge Charger. Brand new. About a 2005, I think it was. Look at that baby. Did you know one, at one time I was really cool? You look at my, my cars I drive now. Really, I don't care about cars. Somebody convinced me of this. So I don't care that much about cars. And so I will drive them into the ground. I mean, I'm just that kind of guy. I'm, just, I don't, I'm not a car lover. But at one time I had a brand-new Dodge Charger Hemi engine. And I want you to know that ever since I gave that up, I have not gotten a traffic ticket since. <laughs> what happened before that? Only my wife knows. So, I can tell you this. 
there's a huge, I mean, it's tough driving that car because there are three cars in front of you and you're late for something, and in the distance, there's a car coming the other way, but you know that you can pass those three cars. That's the problem. You know that it will do it. That's the problem. That's the problem. You touch that gas pedal and, whoa, that thing just took off. I mean, how did you know you were going that fast? You thought you were going 35. Mm. His little gun said, no, it's not 35. Okay, so anyway. So you see, I could not get in the Dodge Durango and ride it and treat it and drive it the same way I operated my Western Flyer. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, that's not you anymore. You're trying to turn your pedals, turn those pedals sitting in the Dodge Durango. You've got the power to take off. It requires a key, and it requires some gas and oil. You can sit in that car as long as you want and press those, you know, you can even do this to the pedal if you want to. But if you don't crank it, if you don't have gas in it, it's not going to go anywhere. You've got to learn how to live your life differently when you go from here to here. If you are, this is, here's what's true. If you're not a believer in Christ, and, and, and all of us were not at some time, right? So, in, especially if you're more of an adult, you know this issue that you were not a believer when you were an adult. You know this issue. But even as a child, even as a teenager, you know these things that before you were a believer, it's all you knew. You just lived life the best you could. You chased after stuff that you thought would make you happy. And some of those things were good. Some of those things were bad. But you, you were really trying to do the best that you could. But life was a struggle. Yes, it was hard. Yes. But that's all you knew. You had not tasted the wonder of his presence and his glory and his goodness in your life. You didn't know, you didn't know any of that. And so it's all you knew, so that's the way you lived. But when you became a believer and you got into the Dodge Durango and you started trying to drive it the same way you rode your Western Flyer, all of a sudden things get very frustrated, don't they? See, the unbeliever, even though they're not living the life, they're living in death, they don't know about living in life. Now that you're in, now that you have the life of God in you and you've tasted life and you taste it here and there and here and there, you know the difference. So when you're not, when you're not living by the Spirit, so your car's not running too well, your life is not working the way it should, then you get frustrated and, and, you know, it's just very hard, isn't it? And it's because you're trying to push pedals. You're trying to do it the old way. You're still looking to the flesh and not to the Spirit. You're still looking. We are still looking to the flesh and not to the Spirit. And so we get frustrated. We've got to learn if this thing's going to work the only, I'm in, a, I'm in, now I am in the Spirit. If Jesus is in me, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're not talking about perfection. He took care of that. We're talking about if you want this thing to work right, you've got to learn how to set your mind on the things of the Spirit and not on the things of the flesh. 
So I want you to see a diagram that I use. Um, uh, body, soul, and spirit. Can we see that? The uh, diagram. Is it there? There we go. Okay, now some of you have seen this chart, but you've seen it in circles. I'm, I've, I've got my own shapes for a reason. So the blue is your flesh. That's your body. And, and so there are five sides because you have five senses. And here's how when your five, the, you know, your five senses, if your life lives from the outside in, then you're living your life by your five senses, what you see, what you hear, what you taste, your emotions, your feelings. You're living from the outside in. And that's where there, you know, there is a, an enemy called the devil. And, and so he's after something. And the way he gets to it is through your flesh. So if he can deceive you through your five senses, if he can deceive you through your five senses, he can get to where he wants to go. I'm going to show you. Because outside of that outer realm, there is that yellow part of me, that, that part of me that is me. That's my soul. My soul. That's who I am. Craig McLeod is not this body. Craig McLeod is inside. You, you, I've got it divided into three parts, but you understand that it's hard to separate all this. It's not like so distinct. You know, God made us very, in a very special way. But there's a definite difference because when you die, you're going to know it. Your soul leaves your body. It's different. So your soul is this. It's, some have called it your mind, your will, and your emotions. And, what, and there's, there's, there are many other, defin, many other characteristics but what it is, is it's you. It's the real you that's you. So it's your personality. It's, it's you. It's who you are. But it's your mind. It's what you think. What you choose to think, it is your mind. It is your will, which is the decisions you make and what you want. And so those desires that you chase after, those desires come out of your soul. It's your mind, your will, and then your emotions how you live your life according to emotions. And if you're living your emotional life by the outside in from the things of the flesh, then uh, I don't know, you might send your spouse to a psychiatrist, you know, because that, that's a hard way to live. It's not easy living around people who live according to the flesh into their emotions. And so that's, but that's you, that, that, that part of you, your mind, your will, your emotions that part of you, that's you, that's, that's who you end up being. And so you have a choice. You can be influenced by outside in. You can be influenced by the five senses, by the flesh, and that is weakness, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's gonna, that's, if you go that way, you're going to taste death, even though you may have Christ in you. The middle part here, that white circle, is your spirit, not capital S, not Holy Spirit, your spirit. You have a spirit. You, you could call your soul and your spirit your heart. That's your heart in your body, not here. It's, it's the inner part of you that's you. But in you, inside of your soul, is a place. If Listen, everybody in this room it, it, that has come to Christ you know what you're, you know this thing that when we say this, we say, uh, we say, boy, when I got saved, 
there was a hole in my heart and it got filled. You know that? We say it. You hear people talk about it. I just felt so empty and I don't feel that emptiness inside anymore that Jesus now lives in me. He's in me, see? And so that part of me, my spirit, it's, it's, it's white because Jesus lives there by the Holy Spirit. But now listen, if, if he doesn't live there, that's, that, that spot is black. It's dark. It's death. Spiritual death. And amazingly, Jesus has made the way for me to receive him by faith to simply believe. Lord, I believe. And he who's been knocking on the door just comes right in. And he's there. And he doesn't go out and come back, go out and come back. Boy, you're not thinking the right thoughts today. I'll see you later. I'll come back when you get your... No, 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 no. Here's what happens. When you try to live by the flesh... When, you're, when you have become the Dodge Durango and you're trying to live like the Western Flyer, then what happens is as you're trying to live by the flesh, you are like putting a cage around your spirit. It's like, it's like you're just you're putting a cage. You cannot please God that way. You're just, the Jesus has not left you. He's there, but it's like you've put bars and a barrier around because he, he wants you to learn how to operate from the inside out. So when I press into him and I worship and I meditate on his word, not just for knowledge, but to feed, 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 my, so, that my, so that I'm leaning into my spirit, the spirit of God in my spirit, so that my spirit and the spirit of God and the presence of Christ in me is influencing my life. So my soul it's being influenced from the inside out. Now the soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions control my flesh. You see that? When you live from the outside in, you're letting the flesh control you, and your soul starts putting a barrier around your spirit, and you, you, you find yourself feeling icky. You're living... Death. But I'm talking to believers now. But when you press in and you live by the Holy Spirit who is in your spirit, then you're living from the inside out and you now have control over the flesh. You can do things you thought you couldn't do. Now you've been saying, I can't do that. No, I can't. I don't know. This it's, it seems impossible. And you're, you're saying all of those things because you're living according to the flesh. You can't, the, 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 the Dodge Charger will never take off. It's Hemi engine. You'll never experience it. You've got it. That's who you are now. But you're not going to experience it because you're still trying to press the pedals of a Western flyer. You're still trying to live by the flesh. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, you're now, the Spirit of God is now in you. Why are you trying to live that way? Why, why are you trying to live according to the flesh when now you have this really awesome thing? Put the car up there again. Put the car up there again. So you know what I liked about this car? That when the guy in front of me looked in his rearview mirror, it looked like there was a really mean lion looking right down. You know, see that mean look on the front of that car? 
you know, I'm sorry, I'm just like any guy. I'm sorry, I apologize. But, you know, you look through the mirror and you go, whoa, good gracious, what's that thing behind me? When you get your motor running in the spirit, then the lion that was chasing you becomes the lion that you chase. When you, when you, there's a book about that. When you, when you get, when the Holy Spirit and the presence of Christ become, when you learn how to lean in on Him, then you start taking over the things that have been staring you down and have been causing fear in you. Now you overcome it. Now I'm going to give you uh, three things to help you do this. The first one I've already said, which is worship. But when I say worship, I'm talking about it's all-inclusive. It's my meditating in the Word. It's reading, you know, listen, the fact that you actually came to church today, because, you know, in our culture right now, it's not a priority on many people's list. The fact that you came and you're listening to something that has spirit behind it, it's going to help change your thinking as you go out of here. That's just one way. Worship. When we worship together corporately, there's something that happens in this room that you cannot happen, will not happen in your personal quiet time. It's totally different because that's part of it. That, did you know that the word church actually means the assembly? Did you know that's what it means? So that there's this thing that God does when we're together that, and the freedom you have in worship. It doesn't matter what you've gone through all week. That freedom is there because we're together. When you're at home alone, press into the Word of God and meditate on His Word. Find good devotional books and good books that say the right stuff and read them and get them in your spirit. Get the right teachings in you. Meditate, memorize, do whatever it takes. Now, the other one, that's worship. But now the next thing is others. Now, Pete's already dealt with a couple of weeks ago when he drew the circles. That, that he, there's others. Don't, God, is, God is not going to build you up. Bring the, uh, the shapes back, if you would. God is not going to build you up from the inside out without encouragement from others. You'll get a piece of it by coming to church on Sunday morning and worshiping together and hearing a sermon. and you, that'll, That's a piece of it. You'll get a piece of it by meditating on the Word and strengthening yourself, building yourself up by meditating and focus and, and, and really getting your mind in the right place. But that's not enough. You need that kind of relationship with some people in your life. If you don't have good friends, well... I've got, you, I've got news for you. It's, you've made it much harder for yourself. So I'm not saying don't reach out to the world. I'm saying, though, in your circle of close friends that you lean on, like if you don't even have that, go get it. If you do have it, make sure these people are giving you positive input, godly wisdom, and they're speaking the right stuff. You don't have that, then, then you're not... You've got to learn that uh, your relationships are a part of building up your spirit. And then the last thing is the when. So notice the, the three W's, not three W's, the three letters, W-O-W. Go back to that. Wow. This is the wow. 
in that Dodge Durango. It's worship, it's others, but this is the one I want to leave you with. It's the win. W-I-N. The win. What, what, what am I talking about? Most of us will pitter-putt, give out, because we don't go to this place. Years ago, I was just struggling through something. This was I, was, I lived in North Carolina at the time. I was struggling through something. I don't even know what it was. But I remember while I was praying and struggling in prayer that God spoke to me very clearly. And I knew it was God because he said something that I did not understand. Does that ever happen to you? A new thought comes into your mind and you go, what is that? And the thought was this, it just came. And then for, I would say, a few years even, almost every time I went into that kind of prayer, that would come back to me. And here's the question. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? The enemy pressing through your flesh? Or the spirit who lives within you? The question really was, are you going to win? Or is he going to win? Are, are, are you going to allow him to win this battle? Or are you going to press into me and find the strength to overcome whatever it is that's being thrown at you? And so I would realize, wait just a minute. Something inside of me rose up. It was like, wait just a minute. No, no, I'm going to win. I'm not going to lose. And there's a God-given something, the win, that he puts inside of all of us. And we've got to learn to tap into it. Here's what it is. When I look at the things of the flesh, have you noticed that when they say, just say no, just say no to drugs, have you know, how's that, how's that work for you? You know, we... To any problem in your life, overeating, you know, let's see, here, here are my deadly sins. Okay, so, you know, all these things. So you, how does how, how that work for you? Just say no. Well, I'll just, in the moment, well, I'll just say no, and that'll be the end of it. It does not work. It doesn't work. It was a good idea, but that's Western Flyer. That's Old Covenant. That's living by the law, the law of the flesh. What Jesus has done, he's given you something that is bigger than your flesh. He's given you himself. He's given you himself and his destiny. Your destiny is tied into his, and he's given you purpose in life now because it's not about me anymore it's about him and what he's doing his life not my life you keep go ahead try to live life on your own the way you want to do it go ahead I've, I've discovered it doesn't work out too well because you don't live that way anymore that's not how it works anymore now it works when you press into him who is bigger than all of that, and the life that he's given you that's bigger than that, 
have you yet discovered in your life the thing that is so huge that it becomes in your life the great adventure? Have you found it yet? Or are you just going through life, well, I just go do my job, make a little money, be able to take care of things, and man, somehow that's supposed to make me happy. No, there's something huge, much bigger than that. It's the purpose of God and the cause. He he has actually put inside of you his purpose, his destiny, his cause, his vision for life, his mission for the world. And if you haven't tied into that yet, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss the bigger thing that becomes your vision and your mission. You've got to go home and make a list of things. You've got to go home and answer this question. Tomorrow, if you can't do it today, do it tomorrow. And so make a list of all of the thing, categories in your life and then begin to ask yourself a question. Why, what is it in my life that has purpose and meaning that ties into who Jesus is? You've got to answer that. I mean, if you're a Christian, you've got to answer that. So that when you get up in the morning and brush your teeth, you'll know why you're brushing your teeth. So that when you get in that car and go to your, you know, your job that in and of itself may be hard or, you know, maybe something you even don't want to do or maybe it's just boring. Look, if you will find out why God has you there and what he's going to do with your life and what it's going to mean to the people around you, now you're living for something bigger than your job. Bigger than the, the hardness of getting out of bed in the morning. Bigger than the negativity that you face when you face people at work. No, you're there for a reason and a purpose, and you'll rise up to it. Because there's something inside of you that says there is in your life a win. There's a destiny. There's something for you to accomplish and to fulfill that's in Christ Jesus. You've got to lay yourself down. You've got to die to self. And you've got to live for Him. And it, you were made for this. You were made for it. Your life is not anything until you're living by this, by this thing that's so much bigger, not only than you. It's bigger than your flesh. It's bigger than the temptations. It's bigger than the issues. It's bigger than your depression. It's bigger than somebody hating you. It's bigger. It's bigger than all of that. And when you tie into that, when you tie into that and say, yes, that's who I am. Yes, that's what I'm doing. Yes, that's what I'm living for. When you do that, when you start saying yes, it's going to be easy to say no. I don't, I don't want this thing that's trying to come at me through my flesh. That'll stop me from being this over here. This thing over here is so awesome. I mean, it's what I was made for. It's what I was created for, was to live like that. You're saying, wait just a minute. I'm a mom with children. I have a destiny here. I have kids to pour my life into and to train them and teach them. The Bible says disciple the nations, and he put two right there in your home or five. How many ever you have? That's where you begin discipling the nations is with your children. That's your destiny. That's your cause. And so you rise up and say, I'm not just going to let them live from day to day in my house. I'm going to love them. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to discipline them. I'm going to help them be men and women of God. That's my destiny. 
You see what I mean? Now your life rises to something bigger than the whatever it is that seems to be pulling you down. John 10.10 says, The thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Do you know that word abundance is like huge? It's bigger than anything you've ever thought of. Look at the next scripture. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. You know why that says that? All that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's the, that's the Hemi engine. That's the Durango. According to the power that works. This is where we are now. This is how it works. You've got to work it this way because that's how it works. And he says, now to him who is able, exceedingly abundantly above, that's three English words that's not even touching the Greek. It's a word that you can't express in one word. And so we're trying to get all these English words to try to say what that is. Exceedingly abundantly above is this thing that's just, it's just out there, buddy. I mean, we're talking about huge. Now, I'm just giving you a little piece of what I'm talking, trying to make this practical and close. Just as, and that's that... Um, you know, what you know is happening, and, and I, I, I come back to it because I don't preach every Sunday, but I'm kind of going to let you know where I am here. So, you know, last, um, Pete got here June 1st, but before that, I knew what was happening, and, and I was really open with everyone as to what was happening. And so in my life, you know, we're going through a transition here, and so I, I want you to know I planted this church and so, it, and it's 10 years ago, and it would be very easy. Have you ever done something that, you know, there's an achievement in your life or something that could easily become a possession to you, and then you try to let go? Have you ever had that happen? How about, how about raising a kid, and then they go off to college? Or they, they leave the house. Daddy says, Thanks, thank God, Mama cries. Right? But there's a, there's a, there's a you have to let go. And so I'm going through this season. Now, I know this. I've been around a while, and I've seen others go through it. And so I've, I've known what's coming, and I have given myself to it. I made a decision that I would do it, that I would let go. But I knew it wouldn't be easy. I would have to die. I would have to die. And so I told Pete before he came, I called him on the phone. He'll tell you, I really did this. I called him on the phone, and I said, Pete, I said, listen, I know that you and I have a lot in common. We have a lot of the same vision, but you're still who you are and God is leading you and your vision will be different from mine. And I said, that means that you're going to do some things differently than I would do it, which means I will have to die to those things. I called him before he came and told him this. And I said, so here's what I want you to do. I told him three or four times. He never did it. But I kept asking him, because you'll see why. I said, I want you to make a list of all the things you think you'll change when you come here. And give it to me now before you come. And I'm going to go away into a cave somewhere for three days, and I'm going to die. And I'll die, and then I'll come back, raised from the dead, and I'll help you get it done. That's what I told him. I kept telling him over and over. He never took me up on it. <laughs> He knew that was a risk. I'm going to list things that I want to change. Okay, so, so Pete and I are walking in this thing that I have discovered is really awesome. But you've got to know, 
that I, I go through deaths. I go through moments. He doesn't even know it. I don't tell him, you know, that I go through these moments of just dying to something. And then as I die to it, then the most wonderful thing happens inside of me. I embrace the greater vision. The greater vision is twofold. One, his vision. His vision is about reaching lost souls. If, if you've not figured that out yet, you have not been listening. That everything he does, he's not just thinking about the Christian in the pew. He's thinking about people who haven't gotten here yet. And you're going to feel comfortable now to bring them here because he's talking to them every Sunday. It's all about reaching the lost. If you haven't gotten that yet, you need to get that in your spirit because that's the vision. And I say glory to God. Now listen. <laughs> so that, that for one reason is why I can die. I can die to something when I know that what I've got to die to is going to help us reach lost people. Number two is that God didn't just kick me to the curb. When God led me to get into this process, I said, hey, Lord, what am I going to do? And he said, what's in your heart to do? And so I wrote a letter to Bobby Gupta and the, the new missions work that I'm involved in now, and I said, how can I serve you? <laughs> Man, did that take off? So, so I'm now in two staff meetings a week. Monday's here, and on Thursdays, I'm on what you would call Skype, but we, there's a thing called Zoom. And I've got people from different sides of the world and different states from the United States. And we're all in a staff meeting together every Thursday. I'm beginning to do some traveling. And I'm going to help churches get up the cause of reaching the lost on the other side of the world. And now listen, listen. They called me the other day. said, hey, Craig, you know, uh, God's opening all kinds of doors for us. Now we're in China. You know, we're in India. But now we're in China. We're in Indonesia. We're in, we're in Korea. I didn't say north or south, did I? We are in, um, uh, and in Nepal. Nepal just opened up, and we're beginning to plant churches there. And we went there this past summer because the door opened for us to come in and train the pastors and leaders. These are brand-new Christians. They don't know anything. Even the pastors don't know anything because they didn't grow up in Christian homes. Their parents were Hindu. They were Hindu. They don't have any. It's like the early church. It's like the early church in, in Nepal. And so they need people to come in and train them and teach them and help them. And so we went in and we had a week there. Man, my heart. So they called me up just a couple of weeks ago. Hey, uh, there's so much happening. Nepal is yours. I said, well, thank you very much. But what does that mean? <laughs> they said, well, we got to go back in quickly because we don't know how long the door is going to be open and the momentum is there. We've got to go back. But I don't, we don't have time to do it all. There's so many doors opening. So you've got to decide when, when we go, who goes, what we do when we get there, what the leaders want when we get there. You've got to determine all of that and set it up and tell us and, and we'll go. We're, we're ready. You're, you're going to be in charge of that. I haven't been trained for that. I hung up the phone and I sat there for a minute. Are you kidding me? Something inside of me said, 
we're going to be involved in people coming to Christ on the other side of the world that have never heard of Jesus. Come on. All right. So listen, listen. When I see that, I'm ready to say no to a lot of things. I'm ready to die to a lot of things that formerly I was not ready to die to. But now I'll die to those things because the yes is so much bigger. You have to discover in you where is the purpose of God in your heart? Where are you locked in to His purposes? Because that will give you the yes that's so much bigger than those temptations of the flesh or not just temptations, the problems and the issues. Temptation is not just about a sexual thing or a temptation is like, you know, negativity trying to bring you into depression. Bow your heads. Oh, Jesus. Lord Jesus. If you're here today and you've you haven't crossed the line. You, you're still riding the Western Flyer. In other words, you've never even got into the new thing. You've just been living in the old thing. You, you didn't know there was a line to cross. You didn't know there was a conversion to be had of your heart. And so you've never said yes to Jesus. Lord, I believe. I accept you into my life. Come into my spirit. Abide in me. I want to follow you. If you've never done that and you want to this morning, I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. Just lift your hand so I can see it, so I can pray with you. Is there anybody here? Just lift your hand and let me see it. That is saying, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Today for the first time. All right. All of us. All of us know that place of trying to live in the new covenant an old covenant way we know what it means to be in the spirit but trying to live by the flesh so frustrating make a commitment today in your heart you're going to change starting today and tomorrow you're going to change and it's it's a daily thing it's you're not going to be perfect about it but you we've got to learn how to fill up our life with any the stuff that builds us up from the inside out, the presence of God and His Word. Lead me, Lord. Let me take that key and put the gas in so that I can get on down the road. We give you praise, Father. We bless you. In Jesus' name.